0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. Pastor, why are we reading in Jeremiah to discover something about Daniel's life? Well, what we read here in chapter 29 will give you some insight about how Daniel lived the life he lived. How Daniel was blessed while in Babylon, how he was favored while he was in Babylon, how he had influence while he was there. Jeremiah 29 will help us. Why? Jeremiah was the prophet who was speaking to the nation of Israel when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, finally came and besieged Jerusalem and took the city over. Never before had this city fallen to a foreign army. And why did it happen? Jeremiah was the last in a long string of prophets that God had sent to his people. Israel had stopped serving God. Their kings were corrupt. Their government was corrupt. Their religious leaders were corrupt. They weren't serving God. Rebellion and disobedience was, was the culture of God's people. And God warned them, and he warned them, and he warned them. But they refused to turn to him. And so finally, as Jeremiah, under his prophecy... Nebuchadnezzar comes in, the city's devastated, exiles, prisoners of war, slaves are taken to the foreign land of Babylon. Daniel was in that group. Daniel was living in Babylon. That's where we've seen an incredible lifestyle in a tough situation. We've been learning from that. But this, Jeremiah 29, was a letter that Jeremiah wrote and sent to the exiles in Babylon. It's powerful, it's unexpected. It contains one of our favorite verses, but we need to see to whom that verse was spoken. We need to see the context of that verse. You version, many of you are using that Bible app right now to follow along with me, says that this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, is one of the most highlighted and quoted and referenced verses in the Bible right now. But we need to see the whole picture about this verse, okay? So let's go to verse 29, uh, chapter 29 and verse 11. Let's look at that, then we'll back up. And I'll bring some context to you. We really could probably quote it, don't? couldn't we? What does God say here? It's why we love it. It's encouraging. It's a great verse. What did God say? For I know the plans I have for you. God has plans. How many are thankful God has plans for you? Do you know God has a plan with your name on it? God has a plan with your name on it. It's exciting. When I discovered that, wow, it just blew me away. I mean, God knows me. God has a plan for George Sawyer. He he has something for me to do. There's a reason I'm here. Do you know the number one asked question in our culture today is why am I here? Above everything else, people are looking for meaning. Well, I've got an answer for why you're here, and I can show you how to find out why you're here. Meet the God who created you. What does he say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans does God have for you? Plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. No wonder we quote that verse. No wonder we talk about that verse. How encouraging. What a blessing. But we need to understand what's connected to this. It was the end of a powerful message that God gave to them. It was the result of some other truth we need to see today so this verse can operate in your life. So it's not just something I quote. It's something I live and I experience. God wants you to live that life. Our, uh, you know, we, we said it earlier, what's our, what's our mission statement. We want everyone we meet to live life at the highest level. I want to help you find your best life, but it comes through Jesus Christ. That's where we want to begin. So, so this letter was written by Jeremiah, the prophet, a prophetic word from God. It was taken by carriers to Babylon to read to these exiles who were there. So let's, let's pick this up in verse number four. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. So God has a message. Can I tell you something? Do you know God is speaking today? Did you know that? You know God still speaks to His people today. Don't ever let someone tell you God doesn't have anything to say to you. He speaks right now. You know, God will speak to you every time you read your Bible. God God will speak to you when you come to church and worship. God will speak to you through this message today. God will speak to you by the leading of the Holy Spirit. God will talk to you. God will guide, uh, guide us and lead us. And so let's see this. What does God have to say to them? This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Wow, let me stop there for just a minute. We reading what, Lord? Those that you carried now, we thought Nebuchadnezzar did that. How was that working? One, one translation may help us a little better. It says, Those I caused to be carried into exile. What does that mean? What would be the relationship with God causing, allowing his people to be put in a rough spot? Let me be very clear with this. As I told you, prophet after prophet after prophet had been sent to them. And they rebelled and they rebelled and they, they disgraced God, they disgraced his name. He warned them and warned them and warned them. Church, finally, God said to them, you understand this, I understand this. He said, you know, if I keep postponing this moment, I will be enabling you to do this. If I keep allowing you to do this without any consequence, I'm encouraging you in the direction you're going. Do you know that there are going to be times, I want you to listen to me closely, that if a person continues to rebel and rebel and rebel against God, continues to sow and sow and sow, disobedience and rebellion, there will come a moment, listen to me, not out of God's anger but out of his mercy that he will allow you to face the consequence of your choices. Do you understand that's not judgment, that's mercy. Pastor, how could that be mercy? Because this is what we understand. And unless God pulls his hand back as he did for these people, after many, many warnings, they'll continue in that warning. Do you know what God looks at them and says, he says, if I don't allow you to deal with your consequences, if you don't hit rock bottom, you're never going to deal with what you're doing right now. You're never going to see the issue that you're doing. You're never going to come out of this. Do you know that if a person in this life rebels, rebels, rebels against God, denies God, disobeys God, runs from God. Do you know if there's not a stopping point, they'll live their life and die and go to hell. Do you know the mercy of God says, I don't want that for anyone. I don't want you to be in that place. I don't want you to go to hell like that. And so what does God do? If you continue to disobey and disobey and disobey, what does God do? I'm going to let you reap what you sow. I'm going to let you deal with the consequence of your action. We love sowing and reaping in the good areas, don't we? Come on, say amen. We love to talk about it. You do something good, you get some. You know, if I sow a good seed, there's a blessing coming. That's what the word said. But it also says that you sow a bad seed, there's another harvest coming in your life. And so God is saying to them, I loved you too much to let you continue like this. I have too big of a plan for you. I want you to get to verse 11. I want you to live the life I have planned for you. I want you to know there's hope in the future. And my thoughts towards you are good. But if you don't stop where you're going. You're never going to get to live this life. So out of my mercy. I'm going to let you face your consequences. In hope that you will turn. And come back to me. How many hear what I'm saying today? Do you know there will never be restoration without repentance? Do you know a nation will never have a revival that does not repent first? there will never be a moment in this nation where we get to see this great awakening that we read and see and hear about before the coming of the Lord. It will not happen until a nation repents. And maybe God has to allow a nation to run headlong into their choices before they will fall on their face and say, Oh, our God, I call on you. I humble myself. I seek your face. I pray. I turn from my wicked ways. Then God says, I will forgive you and hear you and I'll heal your land. You Understand God allowing us to face our consequences is the mercy of God in our life. We have to be careful in this day that we never misunderstand God's mercy for his approval. Did you hear what I said? There's some people living on borrowed grace right now. There's some people dealing with the mercy and they've begun to take it for granted. And what God's saying, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. But I'm not approving what you're doing. Let's turn to him while we can. And so we see how they arrived there. I want that to be established. But then what he tells him in verse 5 through 10 literally turned him upside down. It was the last thing they wanted to hear. You have to understand they did not like Babylon. They did not go there by choice. It was not where they wanted to be. Have you ever had a season in your life where you said, Pastor, if I had written this book, I would not have put this chapter in. It. Anybody ever been in a place that you wish you'd never been in? Anybody ever been in a season that you wish you could change? That's where they were. They're in Babylon. They don't like Babylon. They were taken there against their will, okay? This is the setting. You have to understand what's going on for these people. They don't want to be there. They don't like it. They don't understand the language. They don't like the food they cook there. They don't worship the gods they worship there. They serve the true God. This is the last place they want to be. All they want to hear from God is we're leaving here tomorrow. How many understand that? I've had the privilege of being out of this country almost 40 times to represent the Lord, teach pastors, do crusades, and represent our church. And I have to tell you, I won't say the country because everybody has their own preferences and flavors. But I've got to tell you, (laughs) I've been in a few countries where every day, at the end of that day, I said, It's seven more days till I go home. The next day, it's six more days till I go home. It's five more days till I go home. I said, God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the privilege to preach. Thank you for this incredible honor to teach these pastors. It's amazing. Our celebrations were great, but I gotta tell you, I couldn't understand what anybody was saying. I didn't like the food that anybody made there. When I one place I went and I laid so tired, preached four times that day, went and laid down on my but my bed in this little hotel, you know, the hotel, you know, you got to understand there weren't any five stars. There weren't any four stars. There weren't any three stars. There weren't any two stars. There weren't any one stars. I think this one had a minus. I don't think he even got a star. And, and, you know, in the bathroom, the shower was just a pipe coming out of the wall. There's no shower stall. There's no, just a pipe. I said, where's the shower? He said, that's the shower. I said, oh, okay. And I laid down on my pillow. I'm tired. And when I put my head down, boom, it bounced up. I said, what was that? And I opened the pillowcase up. That was the hardest piece of foam I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, I could have hit somebody with that. and hurt them. So to go to sleep, I had to pull the rock out of my pillow, stuff my dirty clothes in the pillow so I could lay down and go to sleep at night. But you know what? Although I didn't want to be there, I had an assignment there. Although it wasn't my favorite place to be, I knew why I was there. I knew what God called me to do. I knew there was a reason I was in that place. So I want you to hear me today. There are going to be certain seasons in life that you didn't choose it. You didn't want it. I, I, I didn't vote on the COVID-19. No, I don't like it. I, don't, I wish we weren't having it, but we're here. What are we going to do? There are going to be times in your life where you have to understand, God gave me a promise And the promise hasn't been fulfilled, but I'm believing it's going to happen. Anybody ever had to wait on an answer to prayer? What do you do in that waiting? That's what we're about to learn. Have you ever been in the middle? I've got the promise, and, 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 and over here is going to be an answer, but I'm just in the middle right now. Can I tell you, a lot of people have wasted a lot of their life because they didn't know how to live in the middle. How many hear what I'm saying? We didn't know how to wait on the answer the right way. So watch this. What does he tell them? Now, they don't want to be there. They don't like anything about it. And notice what the letter from God says. Verse 5. Build houses and settle down. Whoa. God, I'm looking for the next train out. Build a house. Settle down. You know what he's telling them? You need to change your mindset. You need to understand I'm with you in this place. Anybody with me right now? Look, Look at this. It even goes worse. Plant gardens and eat what they produce... Oh, no, that means I'm not leaving tomorrow. God told me I need to plant a garden and I've got to wait for a harvest. He told me I've got to crawl out of this tent and go build a house. I'm, I'm, I'm in rebellion about this moment in my life. I'm not going to like this moment of my life. I'm going to crawl in a hole and pull the covers over my head and wait until something changes. He said, get up out of that hole, get out of that tent, go build yourself a house Go plant yourself a garden. I know where you are. I know what's going on. I'm still in control of your life. And look, I guess for them, it it may have gotten worse. Look at verse 6. Marry and have sons and daughters. Can you imagine these people wanting to go right now? Marry? Dear God, have sons and daughters. And then look what he says. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. So they too may have sons and daughters. Now, he says, I'm not going to come right now. You're going to have to get married. You're going to have sons and daughters. You're going to have grandchildren. Dear God, I want out of this place. I don't like the middle. It's not easy to wait. I I, I want it to be over now. I don't like that Abram waited 25 years until Isaac stuff. I don't want that 40 years walking around in the wilderness business. I want it yesterday or right now would be okay, God. I want to go put this prayer in the microwave and push 30 seconds and go out with it done. I don't like this. Build a house, plant a garden, marry my, off my children and see what God is going to do. Is everybody with me right now? But then do you understand what he's saying? He, he, he's telling them this. He says, I want you to understand it's time to stop waiting. I want you to understand that you're going to stand up and stop waiting for some day and start living for me right now, right where you are. See, Satan wants to say to you in the middle, in the wait, these exiles waiting for the answer. He wants to say to you, hey, God's through with you. God's done with you. Look around you. See, Babylon, this is all it's going to ever be. You better just settle down, buddy. You're not going to make it. But God says we're going to find meaning in the waiting. Are you with me? We're going to turn someday into today. We're going to learn that if God assigned us here and God put us in this city, there's a reason that I'm here and God's going to use me right where I am. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say to someone today, you need to unpack your suitcase. You need to start living where you are. You need to start making something work. You need to stop sitting around saying someday I'm going to make this happen. And if you're in it, make it work for the glory of God. A lot of people are waiting for COVID to get over. I don't know when it's going to get over. But I'm not going to wait for the end of COVID to see God do great things. I believe God wants to move right now. I believe God wants to save people right now. I believe he wants to bless your home right now. I believe God wants to bless your job right now. I don't know when COVID is over, but I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm in this thing, but God is going to meet us in this place. We're going to make it go. This is what happens in this someday mentality. See, you know, uh, you got a young person and they say, you know, pastor, I'm single right now. But someday I want to get married. And when I get married, man, when I get married, I'm going to start serving God. I tell you, when I get married, I'm going to serve the Lord. See, I'm a single guy right now. I, you know, I don't know who I'm going to marry. So, you know, I've got to have, i got to date a different girl every night. And I'm going to work and I'm busy. And, you know, Lord, I don't have time to get serious about God. But when I get married, I'm getting serious about God, Pastor. Well, praise God. That's great. Then they get married. Probably married the wrong girl doing it like that. But so let, then they get married and say, Pastor, glory to God. We're married now. And, 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 you know, what? We're, we're, we're you know newlyweds. And once we get off this newlywed honeymoon type thing, Pastor, we're going to serve God. Man, I'm going to tell you. I'm going I'm to live out my purpose. That's great. Then they come around and say, well, Pastor, wouldn't you know? We're, we're going to have a child. And, and, you know, once we get these children raised, we're going to start serving God. I mean, you're going to look around. Every time you want somebody to serve at the church, there I'm going to be. And I'm going to be on the worship team. And I'm going to be on the usher team. And as soon as we get these kids raised, I'm, I'm ready to serve God. Someday I'm going to do it. Then they come to me a few years later and say, Pastor, can you believe? It? <laughs> I got grandkids now. I raised my kids now. I got grandkids. You know, someday when these grandkids get raised, I'm going to start serving God like you can't imagine. I mean, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to be praying. You know, once these grandkids get raised, they're going to go. And then one day they call me down to the hospital. And they're laying there in the bed. 102 years old. Pastor? You know, I thought someday I was going to serve God. But I missed it. But I just want you to know, I was going to do it someday. You know, I think my funeral, you ought to preach someday. That's what you ought to preach in my funeral. Someday. Everybody with me? I appreciate you letting me rest for a minute. I've already preached once today, so thanks for letting me lay down. See, someday... Someday never comes. Someday is going to miss you. Do you know right now where you are? We don't have the answer to the prayer yet, but God's with us, isn't he? He made the promise and said, you know where you are, I want you to occupy. I want you to build. I want you to grow. I want you to raise your family. I want you to have faith where you are. I heard someone say to me the other day, Pastor, I don't want to have... I'm afraid to have children. I'm afraid for my grandchildren. This world's crazy. I want to tell you something. God said, Mary, Give your sons and daughters. Raise your family. I'll tell you what your children are going to be. Your children are going to serve the Lord. They're going to be mighty in the earth. They're going to raise godly children. They're going to be born again. They're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're going to pray in tongues. They're going to cast out devils. They're going to raise the dead. They're going to bring revival to their school, revival where they work, revival in their neighborhood. Your children aren't going under. They're going up. We're going to say right here, right where we are. We're not afraid to live life. We're going for it. Anybody with me in this? And then he makes a radical statement. He says, look at this, the end of verse six, increase in number there and do not decrease This word used for increase is amazing. It literally says, become great right where you are. Become great right where you are. On one of my trips, I was in Vietnam and met a gentleman there named Paul I, A-I, Paul I. That's an abbreviation of a long Vietnamese name. And Paul I was once a Buddhist priest who met Jesus Christ. And was radically born again and saved. He was so on fire for God. He led the whole Assemblies of God movement in communist Vietnam. They despised him and hated him. Because he was fearless in preaching the gospel. Now he's about that tall. But I'm going to tell you. He's a Holy Spirit general. And Paul I, while I was there, began to tell me his story. After they had arrested him again and again for preaching the gospel. They finally put him in prison. They put him in prison, and 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 the first prison they put him in was a prison for the mentally ill and insane. And they said, they'll kill him if we put him in here. It won't be long. They'll kill him for us. We won't have to do it. Well, after a year, nobody killed Paul I. They said, okay, we got to try something else. And so they put him in another prison, and in this prison, they locked him in a cage. He never stood. He couldn't stand. It was outside. It was this wide and a ceiling on it. And for three months, he lived outside in the Vietnamese rain and mosquitoes and swarm and heat. And he never stood and straightened his legs for three months. They'd shoved food under him. They couldn't break Paul eye. Finally, the third prison they sent him in. They said, well, he's been away from his wife for almost three years now. We'll put him in an all-women's prison. All the women in the prison were either prostitutes or drug addicts. They put him in an all-women's prison. The only man in the prison. Been away from his wife for three years. And somebody with me said, well, Paul, was that hard? (laughs) What was that like? Now remember, God said, increase where you are. Don't decrease where you are. Was it hard, Paul, in that all women's prison? He said it was for the first two weeks. But after that, I had my church started. (laughs) And everything was going just fine. Then they put him in prison for starting churches. So he started churches in prison. And today Paul I lives in the United States and the only reason he lives here is because they called us and they arrested him again and they said if he ever touches foot in Vietnam again we'll shoot him on sight. You come get him now and take him out or he'll be dead tomorrow. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's a person who said, I may not like being in prison. This isn't where I'm going to end up. It's not going to be the end of my story. But while I'm in here, I'm going to increase and not decrease. I'm going to build houses. I'm going to plant seeds. I'm going to raise the kingdom of God. There is something that needs to break through in us on this 21st day of the fast that says, I will not postpone my life anymore. I will not wait till tomorrow to start living. I understand that what I do right now determines the next thing that happens in my life. Now look at this. Look, watch this. I'm, we're going to wrap this up in just a few minutes. Look at verse 7. Also, now this is, this is radical to prisoners, exiles. Also he says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Wait a minute. I don't like these people. <laughs> They're my captors. They're hard on me. I'm supposed to do what? Seek peace and prosperity for them? Then he says, pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now he says, I know where you're living. (laughs) I know what's going on there. And I put you there for a reason. Are you listening to me right now? This season you're walking through is not the one you chose. This middle moment while you're waiting for the answer to your promise. This COVID stuff. This financial stuff, this political mess we're in in America may not have been what you chosen. Listen, but God said, I have you there at the right time at the right place. Stop running from the crisis and realize, I'm with you in the crisis. Stop dodging the issue and thinking, I'm not important. He said, if you bring peace, the city will have peace. If you bring prosperity, the city will have prosperity. If you bring good things, God will bless that city. Look with me at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. I want you to see, how do we do that? How do we bring blessing in a thing that might be opposed to us? How do we shift the atmosphere in something against us? This is how we do it. We do it like Jesus did it. Acts 10.38. Read this with me. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and power. And what He went around what? Doing good. <laughs> and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. Is God with us in the middle moments? Yes. Is God with us in the in the waiting moments? Yes. And what is He asking us to do? We are to say, God, You anoint us like you did Jesus, with the Holy Spirit of power. And we're going to go around doing good and healing all those under the power of the devil. Do you know why Calvary exists in North Alabama right now? Because God, and many, many other churches too, of course, because God says, I want somebody that's anointed, somebody that has the power of the Holy Spirit, who will go around doing good and healing those under the power of the devil. God knew years ago when he brought us to this property that there was going to be a Toyota Mazda plant and an, and an Amazon warehouse. And, 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 and this area of North Alabama would have the FBI transferred in and, and, and all in space command. Why? Because God said, I'm going to bring people to North Alabama. And when they get there, I want some folks who know their God, who will live under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and go around doing good and healing all those who are under the power of the devil. Why? Because God is with us. See, we're here for a reason. You're in this world right now. You're not a mistake. Listen to me. You did literally, literally, you did not come from your parents. You came through your parents. See, I didn't come from a problem. I came through a problem. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? See, the devil wants to say, oh, you're in a bad place. No, we're in the right place. The devil wants to say, look at all that happened in your life behind you. And God says, I'm with you right now. See, maybe your my parents, God bless them, were the greatest parents I believe anybody could ever have. And here's what I know. Even if yours were terrible, even if you don't know who they are, I want you to hear me today. You didn't come from them. You came through them. God put you on this earth because he had a reason and a purpose. And his plans, when he began to think about you in your mother's room, regardless of how you were conceived, God said, this is my plan. I have plans for you. Put up a uh, Proverbs 29, 11 in the King James, please. He said, I have plans for you. I love what the King James translation, can you see this? For I know the what? The thoughts. Do you know, Psalm 139 said, while you're in your mother's womb and God was creating you, that he began to write your plan and he says, my thoughts for you are greater than the sands on the seashore. Wow. Do you know God's been thinking about you? You know, God's been thinking about you while you are in your mother's womb. Have you ever been talking to somebody and they say, I know what you're thinking. And that kind of aggravating, tell the truth. I know what you're thinking. You don't know. No, you don't. You don't know what I'm thinking. I know what you're thinking. Come on, you've had that conversation with somebody before. I know what you're thinking. No, you don't. You know, the devil try to tell you what God's thinking. The devil doesn't know what God's thinking. That negative person in your life does not know what God is thinking. I'll tell you what God is thinking. He wrote it down for us right here. I know the thoughts, God says, that I have towards you. No matter where you've been, there's a new beginning if you want one. No matter what's happened in the past. There's a future that God designed. Your past may be what you and the devil agreed upon, but your future can become what you and God agreed upon. God says, I'm thinking about you. I have thoughts towards you. See, my thoughts are of what? Peace. My thoughts are of what? Uh, of, of, Of not of evil. You know, I hear people all the time, God's out to get me. No, he's not out to get you. He's not that bad a shot. If God was out to get you, you'd be God. Pardon my grammar right now. You're not that hard to find. You're all over Facebook. God can get you if he wants to. God's out to get me. God's not out to get you. You're not that fast. You're not that cute. This is what I'm saying. You know what God thinks about you? He says, I think peace about you. I don't think evil about you. He said, I, I, I have, look at this, I love this. I want to give you an expected end. Yes. Listen to me, what does that mean? It means that while you're in your mother's womb, God said, here's my plan for them. And the reason he allows us to hit Babylon sometimes is because if you don't straighten them, turn around, you never get to live that life. You never get to get in the expected end God has for you. See, God doesn't have plan B. He just has plan A. He designed his plans and purposes. He thinks about you. You're important to him. He knows he created you uniquely to serve him in this day and time. And just because you and I blow it and get off track and come back around, God's not going to forget about that. God's plan for you is not going to change. His thoughts for you will never shift against you. They're for you. But you have to come to him to let it happen. Look at Romans. I want to show you one more verse from Romans before we wrap this up. Romans turn. uh, Let's see where I want to go. Let's look in Romans chapter. I bet you got it for me, don't you? Eleven twenty nine. Thank you. Look, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. You know what that means? It means the picture of the prodigal son who ran out and wasted his fortune, insulted his father, broke his heart. But when he came home, the father welcomed him back. These are very personal things. They weren't just anyone, anything. He said, bring the robe, bring the shoes, bring the ring. There weren't just any robe, shoes, and ring. They were that boy's robe and shoes and ring. And they'd been hanging in the closet waiting for him to come home. God doesn't write a plan B just because I mess it up. God doesn't write a plan B because I rebel and run away. God doesn't write a plan B just because I've gone all the way into Babylon. Are you with me right now? God doesn't write a plan B for you just because someone else messed up and it's their fault you're in Babylon. God writes a plan A. And he moves and he thinks and he works and he woos, and he calls and he shifts and he brings it together until we come back to him. And when we do, he said, put the robe back on them. Come on, put their shoes on their feet. Put their ring on the finger. Let's start having a party and celebrate because my gifts and my call are irrevocable. I didn't give up on you when you gave up on yourself. And so God is saying, when you're in the middle of this thing, When you're waiting on the answer, when it looks like Babylon is your future and all there will ever be. He says, I want you to stand up. I want you to get back in touch with me. I want you to realize God's with me now. So I'm going to make today work until tomorrow comes. Do you understand that principle? Tomorrow never comes when I don't embrace today. If I don't do what I'm supposed to now, I never get a next. Now is what I have. And when I use it, I get next. I get to experience, oh, God's thinking about me. God has plans for me. God has a purpose for me. God has a future for me. God has an expected end for me. Can I encourage you today? No matter where you are in the season of your life, grab it and give it to God. Make it the best season you've ever had. If you don't like this season, look, this is the way it worked. Find some meaning. Build a house. Say, well, I don't want to live in a house in this season. Well, build that house and when you're done, maybe God will let you move out and somebody else can live in that house. See, you do what you can do where you are with what you have and you allow the blessing of God to come on your life. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand. Worship team, please join me today. Guys, let's, let's settle this today. Let's nail some things down right now. We're going to come back tonight and shut doors, open doors. Uh, we're going to bring an incredible uh, foundation for the rest of the year. But right now, I want you to grab something with me. Right now, I want you to get this moment. See, as we come to this place, God wants you to begin to live your life, the best life you have right now. Stop putting off tomorrow. Stop waiting on it to happen. Stop saying someday. And let's say, Lord, I'm going to make this work for me right now. I'm going to have meaning in this moment right now. What makes Paul, I, in prison for preaching the gospel unfairly put there? What makes him start another church? You know why? He said, God's going to bring me out of this prison and I'm going to come out someday. But I'm going to come out of this prison a better man than when I went in it. I'm going to leave a church here and I'm going to leave a church there and I'm going to leave a church here. You know how he survived survived living in that dog cage and didn't get malaria? The other inmates that were in that second prison were so impressed with his faith in God that they would come up and lay down on the ground beside his cage and put their mosquito net over him and them so Paul I could tell them about his Jesus. So he could tell them about the goodness of his God. The miracles. And I'll never forget the day when he told us all those stories. And that he looked me in the face with the other pastors there. And, and we were just stunned and in awe of this man. He said, oh, pastor, you would do the same thing. And I said, yes, I would. Let's get real. God says, if you'll make where you are a place of increase. A place of harvest. A place of faith and hope and a future. God said, I'm going to walk you to that next season in your life. How many want to live Jeremiah 29, 11? I sure do. But how many of us are willing to walk verse 5 to 10 to get there? God's with you. Don't miss it. Don't miss the moment. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.